Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. It's a pleasure today to welcome Odie Penn. How are you doing? Doing well this morning, thank you. Good, yeah, it's morning for you. It's late afternoon for us. Tell, tell us where you're based again. I'm in the Chicago area in the United States. Your, your accent doesn't give it away at all. Um, <laughs> so you are managing partner at Faro Partners and you deal with transformation, leadership around manufacturing industry and the like. So it'd be good for, again, people that aren't familiar with you. We have lots of new people introduced on the podcast to for you to tell us a bit about yourself, your career history, how you've ended up doing the kind of things that you do. Sure. Thank you. I guess I would start with uh, a role in the mid-90s where I was first exposed to the whole idea of lean or operational excellence. Uh, was taught at that point by Japanese sensei, which Really, at the time, I was I was young enough to not know the difference, but very interested in the outcomes and the teaching, and carried that forward since. Uh, that was with a company called Han in uh, in Iowa, uh, and then went to John Deere and continued to deploy that and learn more through their training. Uh, went to a company called Manitowoc Cranes in Wisconsin and built some heavier heavy equipment. Uh, still applying the same learning. Uh, ended up at Caterpillar, where I was operations manager for a number of different roles, and then made my way into the Caterpillar production system, where my training really reached what I would say uh, its peak. Went through their Six Sigma training, went through their Caterpillar production systems training, which is really their version of Lean, and then into their global deployment program, where I taught and applied that learning uh, around the world in different product groups and different design spaces and all along learning more and more and refining and tweaking the processes and the philosophies until finally I reached my role today, which is uh, managing partner with Faro Partners. And I basically take this same philosophy to anyone who shows an interest and is hungry for change and sees the value or has heard the value, but maybe struggled to achieve what operational excellence promises. Excellent. So a, a good, good founding, lots of uh, big clients and big companies you've worked for and with. So you mentioned at the end there, operational excellence, and it, it's a word that we hear a lot, certainly in the whole productivity, productivity industry and uh, arena that surrounds it. I'm not sure at times that it means the same thing to everybody. I think it means slightly different things to to different people. So it'd be good with your expertise, background and training. What what does operational excellence mean to you and then the clients that you work with? I think that's a great question. And I absolutely agree with your perspective. Uh, Everywhere I go, there's a slightly different version of operational excellence. And what I like to tell people is we're not wrong. Um, we all have our own views, experiences, and, and, and lenses that we view the world through. And so we have to find some common ground. And so that common ground for me is a focus on process. But that can be a limited view because we tend to just see line processes. And, and one of the places that I start with is everything in the world that we do, whether it's at work or it's at home, is actually the result of a process. The question is, Has it been formalized or is it still very informal? And as I teach people to think into that, 
They begin to see processes everywhere. And what that does is it allows us to understand, is the process working? Because once we see a process, we have to ask the question, what is it that we're trying to create with this process? And that's a great question, because until we answer it, we can never evaluate the effectiveness of the work that we're doing in no matter what process it is. And so I think I would point people toward seeing processes first and then being able to ask the question, are we effectively accomplishing the outcomes that we intend to? Does the environment have a an impact on that? And I don't mean the kind of environment is in the ozone lane or that kind of stuff, but would you see that differently in retail than in manufacturing, than in supply chain, logistics, hospitality? Philosophically, no, but absolutely in terms of the specifics of the process. Uh, But I would even expand that question further because leadership is a process. Relationships are a process. And so if we don't see that there are certain tasks, there are certain conversations, there are certain outcomes that we desire in our relationships, Uh, there are certain outcomes that we expect from our leaders and our teams, if we're not aware of that, if we're not considering that, then maybe our processes are broken and we don't understand what the root cause of those failures are. It's interesting, the end bit there. So you talk about root cause and failures in certainly supply chain, logistics, manufacturing. There's no, what I'd call interference. So customer, there's no live customer on the, on the floor or in the, in the plant the root cause and the failure become for me more binary because there's a there's a flow to how all that works and you can start to identify the outliers and the the points of failure and then remedy once you get a customer involved there's a kind of bit of chaos theory that comes in because who who can predict how a customer reacts how long they talk to you at various parts of that process so Is operational, I suppose it comes back to a bigger question, is operational easier to achieve in non-customer facing environments or is it just different? It's just different. I think it's more challenging in the, the language that I like to use is the transactional processes, those invisible processes that move information uh, through a system for the purpose of making decisions you can't walk into an office space and see those transactional processes taking place. And so we have to approach those processes much differently to actually be able to see them and define them and document them to be able to ask. There's, there's two questions that I, that I teach the people that I work with to ask over and over again. Number one, did you follow your standard work? Did you follow your process? Did you follow your plan? There's three different ways to ask the same question. And the second question is, did it produce the intended result? And so what that challenges us to do is is twofold. One, can you even define what the intended result is? And number two, do you even have a plan that you can evaluate to say, yes, I followed the plan, but it didn't produce the results that I expected. And the value of this view is it allows me to stop blaming people for the mistakes. And it it allows me to actually examine a process and find out what's broken in the process, keeping me from actually producing the results that I intend. And so there's a slight cultural shift that I think operational excellence and just that process view allows us to access. I I like that. And I I assume the, the gold dust comes from when two people 
say they followed the process. They both say they got the intended result. But when you analyze the process, they did different things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then it allows us to actually evaluate the level of outcome because maybe we thought we produced the same thing, but when we actually tighten the way that we view and we look at at a, at a, at a, a much deeper level of detail, we actually see, whoa, wait a minute, there was more value over here because there was less input. All right, let's find out what that best way is. For me, there's a couple of things then. There's perspective because we we if if we both were doing a different process to get the same result our perspectives maybe we followed the right path or the most productive path efficient path however we want to badge it up but actually our perspectives are i suppose shaping our view rather than looking at it through a, a flow chart or a visualization and also there must be other metrics as well that you can overlay so we may have got to the end result but you may have done it three times faster than me Exactly. That, that's what we're looking for. And, and we want to share that knowledge. We want to share those best practices because maybe it's safer. Maybe I, I'm, there's less risk in the way that someone else did it and I need to know that. Or maybe it produces a, a greater level of quality for the customer with less input. I need to know that too. So there are lots of points of value that we can access when we actually begin to look at processes and those differences that you just described. People will go on that journey with you and and some will, I'm sure, be on the journey and then you'll step in and and help them. Once they've established what that best process practice is, that operational excellence piece, what then do you see as results of people buying into that and living and breathing it? Is it higher output? Is it higher colleague satisfaction? Is it a whole bunch of metrics? What typical things do you see as outputs? I think where your question is leading me is there, there's so much that we don't have access to today because of these limits that we've created that it opens a brand new door or many doors to us when we find that culture that allows us to work together. And, and where I'm going is this is one of the resistance points that I that I frequently run into in the whole idea of standard work. Oh, you're, you're, you're boxing me in. No, standard work actually simply says Here's the best way we know today. As we practice this process, we will learn more about it and we will actually find better ways to do it. And that's what happens when we get the right mindset and the right culture. We learn to do things better and better. We also learn to see greater value from the view of our customers because we're constantly comparing to what our customers are expecting from us, the value that our products and services are actually providing, and we begin to see with our customers rather than look at them. We we see their processes, we see their problems, we see their value, and we step into that with them. There's, There's just so many ways that this changes the way we approach our work and our communities. That's interesting because we've talked about operational excellence. I think other people will see this as continuous improvement because that point you talked about, you've got your standard operating procedure, but it it almost organically shifts and grows as you become more developed in it. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And then the other bit, which I think is quite interesting, it sounds to me like from what you've been saying, it needs there needs to be the right culture for it to grow. So it's not a blame culture. It's not a, you've not hit the the standard time. It's a, 
learning, it's an embracing, it's a discussion, it's an ongoing conversation to drive incremental improvement. Yes, and and an an alternative uh, term that I would throw in there is it it opens up our ability to learn together, and that's really what I think the foundation is when we create the right culture we are able to learn together, learn from one another, and that learning actually accelerates and it moves us forward to wherever the value that the customer and the business, and I want to make sure that those things are in balance, and I'll I'll tell you what I mean there in a moment, but it opens the door to us to learn together and to seek out the way that we can provide the greatest value in balance to both the customer and the business. I, I prefer using the term organizational community because what that does is it signs a light on we're in this together. We cannot do this alone. It takes a community to succeed and to provide value to our customers. Why don't we look at the world through that lens and behave that way? And that must rely on a mechanism then to be able to gather feedback from all parts of that organization. So customers, colleagues, management, board members, there must there must be a big drive to have that 360 degree view to be able to understand where the pain points are and where the opportunities are to improve. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that really takes me to the second half of what I think is critical to create success in operational excellence, continuous improvement, lean. I don't care what language you use for me philosophically, they're all aligned, but Without the term that I use is inspirational and influential leadership, the best improvement program will never succeed because, again, it requires a community to move forward together. Uh, if it's if it's fragmented, if it's broken, if there are camps within that community, we cannot be effective in the way that we move together towards some value that we've decided. This is why we are here. This is our purpose. Yeah, we've talked quite a bit on some of the other podcasts about purpose. It's it's interesting that it means different things to different people and it might not be about profit. It might be about the wider environment, customers, colleagues. It can, it can touch on anything. It's interesting how you see some organizations where purpose is almost a, a mission statement to the board to say, you know, we'll deliver this much revenue, profit, growth, whatever. It's not a holistic view of what everybody in that organization pulls together and strives for. So it must be, there must be certain organizations where the culture and the confusion of a purpose almost limits their ability to get hold of this stuff and drive it forward. Yes, absolutely. And and, and two thoughts come to mind as you, as you lay out that setup and I, and I love it. It takes me back to high school, of all places, uh, many years ago, my goodness, uh, and an economics class that I was in where the, the instructor basically said, if your focus is on cost, you will never achieve it. But if your focus is on producing value, cost will come. And so the connection for me is many organizations today are stuck in this, we're pursuing cost, we're pursuing profit, we're pursuing money. And the more we focus on that, the further away it seems to get. So the question is, all right, then what should we look for? And it is the value that we create. 
when we create value for our employees through providing safe work environments, both physically and emotionally, when we understand the quality requirements of our customers in terms of product or service, when we understand the delivery, the timeliness that they expect, and we exceed that. And then finally, when we understand how to optimize the use of our resources, cost will show up, profit will show up, and it will show up incredibly. And I have many dozens of examples where I've stepped into different operations and by shifting the focus to safety, quality, delivery, and productivity, we see the end result is a significant improvement in the performance of cost and and, and profits uh, raise significantly. That's what I'm trying to help people see. If you're chasing profits, you lose. If you're chasing value to the business, value to the community, value to the customers, you'll actually produce a greater profit than you ever expected or ever thought was possible. So there's a, there's a bigger game at play, I think, is, is the takeout from that part, isn't it? If you focus on the inputs, you'll get the outputs, is the reality. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we, just, we simply have to help people understand the difference because, quite frankly, these management approaches are handed down from generation to generation. And often the people that I encounter simply don't know what they don't know. And once we actually show them a different way, a a different way of thinking, a different way of approaching conversations and relationships, it resonates because it feels right. And then the outcomes actually show up because we're doing things that we should in the way that we should. And it all just fits together. So if if people are, listening to this and they're not on the operational excellence journey or it's been something in their organization that they've talked about but don't know where to start have you got any kind of top tips around the best place to start dipping your toe in and and working towards this process because like we've talked about once you're in it's kind of continuous so what where's the best place for people to jump in what I run into is uh, uh, what I would, would, the term that I use is an incomplete deployment. And, and I want to explain that. Often we think operational excellence or lean or continuous improvement is focused on line processes and eliminating waste. And that's true, but that's incomplete. Because until we layer in the purpose, through the management systems and the discipline to keep our purpose in front of us, all the process improvement in the world, and this is what I hear from my clients, this is the frustration that I hear most often, I can't sustain the improvements that we make. So I don't know that as as organizations, we struggle to find ways to make things better. I think as organizations, we struggle to find ways to hold those improvements in place and find the next one to build on that foundation and continue building forward. And so it's the leadership piece. It's the focus and purpose piece that makes the process improvement piece actually provide and produce the value that we expect. And that's the promise that we hear when we talk about operational excellence or continuous improvement. But that's also the source of frustration because 90%, this is a statistic that's thrown around, I'll I'll take one step back, 75 to 90% of deployments fail. Why? Because they're incomplete. Not Not because they're incorrect, but because they're incomplete. And you touched on there that drive to sustain. It must get harder and harder as 
the years go on as people want to drive either more cost out or more capacity through to keep finding opportunity and as we live in a world that's uh, a bit a bit a bit strange very strange at the moment those challenges i assume over the next couple of years will increase as as people have lost a year's worth of sales or revenue so how do you think the next couple of years are going to pan out for people that are being challenged to drive more and more opportunity to make choices of for businesses i think that's a great question and and there's there's one perspective that i do want to step back and and share and that is we think it would get more difficult but the truth is as we build momentum within these cultures more and more members of our community our our, our teammates participate and and provide their perspective it actually gets easier it's it's easier it's it's more enjoyable and we accelerate into finding new ways because there's permission and there's openness and there's safety for everyone to begin sharing the, their views and so now I want to connect to the question that you asked about, okay, how is, how is this current crisis going to impact us? What it's going to do is it's going to scare us and it's going to change our focus back to the bottom line, to the costs and to the profits, and it's going to disrupt us. It's going to get in our way of creating those communities that flourish and it's going to turn our attention right back to that bottom line and it's going to make things more difficult. We've got to stay focused on customer value. We've got to stay focused on communities and inclusion. That is the actually road out rather than the the pit that we potentially may jump into because that's where the pressure is. If we don't have profits, if we don't have bottom line, we, we can't continue to survive. And so naturally our focus will turn there. And I want to say, don't do it. Look outward. Tell me what your customer needs. Tell me what they need now because it's changing and we need to keep up with that change. That's what operational excellence does to us. It challenges us to see where the value is headed and to find ways to go with it. And I don't know if you've seen it in America. We've certainly seen it over here in, in the UK and in parts of Europe. When the lockdown was very, very tight at the start of the, the pandemic, kind of things happened a lot quicker. So Big organizations were a lot more agile. Things that have been on their strategic plan, they moved and accelerated. You know, I've heard of people that had things things that were on the plan that would take two years. They did in three weeks. There must be a big benefit in not reverting back to bureaucracy and layers of sign-off, but keeping that agile approach and involving all the different parts of the community to kind of crowdsource those ideas. Does that make sense? And I don't know if that resonates with what you've seen in um, America. Absolutely. It, it makes total sense. And, and I have an example. Uh, in, in a recent conversation with one of my clients, a regional president said to me, Audie, I see your work in my organization. I said, tell me what you mean. He said, when this crisis first hit, my team came together. They defined the requirements for protecting the health of our workforce. They trained the teams out of that standard work, and they began to audit the execution of those changes. He said, that's what you taught us. And he said, and we have not missed a single day of production in our work. And I look around at some of my competitors, and they've closed their doors because they were unable to respond to the crisis the the appropriate way. 
And that's an example of what operational excellence does for us. Did you produce the intended results? Did you follow your standard work? I'm not producing the results. I'm at risk. I have to find a new way to do this. And I need to train people and make sure that everyone understands what their role in this is. And the, the last piece, the, one of the plant managers of that organization said to me, I had an employee actually come to me and say, I feel safer at work than I actually feel at home or in the community because of the protocols that we have put in place to keep us operational. And I appreciate that care for us. Wow, it's an amazing story and, and good to hear they were uh, pushing on it in difficult times. So that that really kind of sums it up nicely, I think, in terms of the competitive advantage, the culture, the high performance that you can get from really looking into operational excellence or whatever guise you want to, to badge it up in. So amazing stories and thank you for sharing them with us. If people want to connect with you or find out more about what you do, pick up a conversation, where's the best place for them to find you? Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, um, Audi Pen Consulting is also another place. You can find me at www.audipen.com. You can also find me at farropartners.com. Uh, any of those approaches will lead you to me, and I would be more than happy to have a conversation with you to talk about what's next. Awesome. Uh, final question from me then. What's the best bit of business advice you've ever been given? I think the first thing that comes to my mind is from a vice president of manufacturing to whom I reported. He said to me, if I have structured your work in a way that you cannot get it complete in your daily tasks, then we need to talk about that so that I can fit the right amount of work into the time that you are here. Because if I don't, then I create an environment that you are set up to fail. And that is my fault, not yours. A good example of strong leadership and, and self-awareness. I like that one. I like that a lot. That's good. That's good. Listen, it's been a pleasure to catch up and talk. I'm sure we, we could go on for hours, but I'm not sure everyone would stay with us for that long. But look after yourself and we'll speak soon. Thank you, Simon. Appreciate it.